Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward, and this week we are very lucky to chat with obstacle course racing extraordinaire, badass, elite, whatever you want to say, whatever synonym you want to use to describe him, uh, Miguel Medina. Um, last year in January, I met Miguel while doing, it's not really a race. It's called a quote unquote fat ass race, uh, <laughs> which is basically just a kind of a group run, uh, from Netherland to Boulder. And, you know, you just, as you're running, you just so happen to fall in line with the people whose paces are similar to yours, or in this case, uh, whose pace you're like, man, it would be cool if I could keep up. <laughs> Uh, which is exactly what I was thinking with Miguel. And as we were chatting, I knew that he would be an amazing guest for this for this podcast because I just kind of got like the tiny bit of his story. And then I also realized that he is just extremely knowledgeable about fitness, endurance, um, just racing in general. And he's just an awesome, all-around awesome, well-spoken, just great dude. So I'm very, I'm so lucky to be able to meet these kind of people uh, doing these races and even more lucky to have, you know, an excuse to get back in touch. So uh, yeah, so chatted with Miguel and just a little bit more just to give you kind of an, an idea here. He's fresh off of a fifth place podium finish at the I don't want to get this wrong. Hold on. At the toughest mutter Midwest in Chicago, in which he did 45 miles of obstacle course racing, 45 miles of it in seven hours and 50 minutes, which is so fast. It's so fast. It's almost mind blowing. And once again, that's not just 45 miles of running. That's like, uh, you know, doing obstacles every, every couple minutes, you know, all doing all the tough mutter obstacles, which that just blows my mind. Uh, he also in 2014, him and his team, which consisted of Mark Jones, Hunter McIntyre and Dennis Wayne Welsh won the world's toughest mutter in which I think he said they did like 75 maybe, or over 70 miles, uh, in 24 hours, which is just bonkers insane uh <laughs> so he's definitely an elite athlete um just a excellent source of information and source of stories and really as i found out in this podcast i mean his tale of how he got to where he is today is so incredibly inspiring He's just a great dude. I'm so happy to be able to, to reconnect with him. So yeah, so we're bringing you the episode with Miguel Medina today. Uh, and I realized that last episode, I said we're going to chat with the wonderful Jennifer Mabus, who uh, writes for the blog, The Whimsical Woman, and she's preparing to hike the Pacific Crest Trail. And I just kind of flip-flopped the order of the podcasts I'm releasing, Um Specifically, I'm doing all, I'm flip-flopping just for one specific person. Uh, and that's my buddy Thad Burkamper. Um, as he 
is preparing for his first race ever. He's doing a Spartan race this weekend um, somewhere, somewhere in the Midwest. I think it's Michigan, maybe. I don't know, Minnesota, one of those states. Um, And after hearing what Miguel says during this podcast, I'm like, man, I wish Thad could hear this before his race. And then I thought to myself, well, dude, you're the one in charge, man. So why don't you flip him around? (laughs) So Thad, buddy, this is for you. I hope this inspires you. I hope this pushes you to kick complete butt because I know I know your last year that you've had and I know that there's been some significant obstacles. And yeah, this this I just hope this kind of makes you appreciate the race so much more. So yeah, man, go get him. I'm proud of you. And uh, yeah, we'll be chatting with that in a, in a few weeks about about his story and how the race went and all that fun stuff. And lastly, I want to remind you to, uh, if you enjoy the podcast, make sure you're subscribing to iTunes. You can leave us a review. I think right now we have a few reviews and they're all awesome and they make my day. So if you want to make my day, just go on iTunes and leave a review. <laughs> um, you can find us everywhere. Podcasts are found at Like a Bigfoot and then Like a Bigfoot on all the social media stuff. Um, definitely check us out. And Miguel, you can actually find him. You can actually hire him as your coach. So if you're interested in obstacle course racing and then you want to even take it one step further and do some of these ultra obstacle course races, definitely check check this out. Look into it. Uh, it's yanceycamp.com, Y-A-N-C-Y-C-A-M-P.com. And Miguel's right on there. You can click it and yeah, look into their system. I'm I'm honestly considering it uh, as I'm really taking the next couple of weeks to think about what's my big challenge, what's my big race for the year. Um, Miguel's getting close to talking me into a, 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 a ultra obstacle course race. And if I do, I'm definitely hiring him as a coach. So So yeah, make sure you check that out. And then you can find more from Miguel on his Instagram, which is MGMOCR. And he posts some really awesome stuff. And just every day, it'll inspire you to train harder, basically. (laughs) Uh, All right, enough of me introducing the podcast. Let's get right into it. I hope you guys enjoy. I know I was completely blown away by this story. And uh, I hope you can draw as much inspiration from it as I did. the day after recording this podcast, I had my best run in probably the last five months because uh, I was just thinking about some of the things Miguel was talking about and drawing from some of his inspiration. But all right, let's get into it. This is Like a Bigfoot number 57 with elite ultra obstacle course racer Miguel Medina. and my and my elevation and i'm getting to the point where i'm climbing like 10,000 feet a week or more like where i'm like running like you know 40 to 50 miles to up, upwards of 60 miles a week now like you know everything it's it's kind of like the ideal place for me and there's all these fast little trail runners man like all these guys who are like a buck 40 buck 30 buck 50 you know that i get to chase after so it's uh it's just the perfect place to be man yeah that helps you out man i uh i talked to jason i think i said his name wrong jason schlarb sklarb do you know him 
I'm not sure now. Okay, no. he won. He won the Hard Rock 100 a couple years ago and tied uh, Killian Jornet, who's just like this freak of nature, like oh yeah, mountain athlete. But oh, he lives in Durango. Killian's insane. Yeah. Oh no shit. Yeah, man. What's so uh, Jason Schlarb. I mean, if he goes to the running club, chances are that I've met him and I don't even know it. But yeah, he's just like the sweet. coolest, nicest guy. Has a mullet, obviously. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Durango Durango's not known for its fashion. I'll say that much. It's pretty. We were like, we went to some like band, to some live show last night at um uh, at the summit, or I guess now it's called the balcony. But um, you know, it was like a little cover band playing, and man, that that bar smelled like body odor and and patchouli, like hardcore. And I'm just like, fuck, man. Like, there are some things I love about Durango, and then there are some things I really love about Durango, and, and I guess patchouli and bo are definitely up there well that's funny that you mentioned that because we live in even like western denver right now like a western suburb where we're like five minutes from the mountains and you know you go to restaurants out here and people are in their workout clothes and workout shorts which is generally my attire Um, oh me too and then we drove like 30 minutes into town somewhere and people were really dressed up and i was like holy crap there's a difference here <laughs> yeah it's nuts man i mean like now like my my fiance will be like last night she's like we're going out and i'm like great and she's like wait what are you wearing and i'm like uh why are you asking and she's <laughs> yeah it's like the usual like running shorts a solomon t-shirt and like running shoes and she's like put on some pants <laughs> it's like shit you know like i just i've gotten so and you're right man like it's funny like out here everyone is either in athletic attire or they look like dirty hippies like just like running around and like yoga like like loose flowy pants and headbands and beads and like i said like they look like dirty hippies and now it's just a it's a stark contrast to like how fort collins looked or how it is once you're like in the city and all that stuff where everyone looks like dapper and all cleaned up and i'm just like oh i kind of like my my grungy dirty mountain down yeah man you gotta dude um i so I, i started recording is that cool Oh, yeah, yeah, man. It's all good. Okay. I was like, yeah, man, we got to start recording when we're talking about smelling bad and like being sweaty in the middle of a a town. (laughs) It's okay. I mean, look, everyone is a little stinky in this town and it's good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Oh, go ahead. So as your miles increasing just because there's thousands of trails there? Um, I mean, partially is, is, yeah, because there's so many different trails, but a big part of it is just like, I mean, you know, this is the summer is like peak training season before world championships and all that, that are, that starts in like October going through all the way to November. And so, I mean, granted this time of year, I always have like a big jump in mileage, but I've never had this kind of jump in, in elevation as far as my running is concerned, you know, like in Fort Collins, I think this time last year I was running like, uh, well, actually, this time last year I was injured, but this time, like last, you know, summer before I got injured, I was like between 60 to 70 miles a week. But I mean, the elevation I was getting was maybe like three or four thousand feet. And now, man, I mean, like I said, it's it's around 10,000 feet or more. Um, and I mean, not necessarily as high as mileage, but I mean, who cares? I'm I'm just trying to become a better climber anyway. So big part of it is definitely just the running community in general. Uh, cause the, the running club out here, Durango running club is freaking awesome. Just lots of people who love to play outside and run. And otherwise just the trails are phenomenal, man. I mean, you can, you know, just in town, just down the street from me, I got this little area called horse gulch. And I mean, there's, there's easily like 
you know, somewhere between 30 to 40 miles of, of trail um, and Jeep road that I can run around out there. And, you know, I can easily climb like, you know, one or 2000 feet, um, just, just five minutes from my house. And I mean, once I start going out of town, then I can climb like up to 3000 feet. And really that's just what I've been, what I've been focusing on is, is trying to become a better climber. Cause it's, cause it's, uh, it's important. Wow, man. <laughs> Unfortunately, my races aren't flat, Yeah, <laughs> but I yeah. guess fortunately I, I live in the perfect place for it. So yeah, man. So when you're climbing, like I don't know. How's that changing your running? And are you notice like, are you worried about injuries at all with all the climbing? You know, I mean, I guess as far as injury is concerned, I'm really fortunate that I, that I work with an awesome running coach based out of, uh, based out of Southern California. His name is Richard Diaz. And so he, I mean, when I saw this guy, about two years ago, you know, and I got my VO two max tested and my resting metabolic rate and all that stuff. I mean, just which, which two years ago, this was all like, I was like, what is, what does any of that prove? Like, I don't, I don't need any of that. I was actually really nervous about doing it. Cause I thought it was just going to show me that I'm like a, a crappy athlete with like a low VO two max. <laughs> and it turns out that that's, that, that, that wasn't the case, thankfully. Um, but it also highlighted like all my inefficiencies in running, you know, like uh, little things that I guess a lot of us don't think about whether we're recreational athletes or we're competing or, you know, we're trying to get like on the professional or amateur level and stuff, uh, uh, like crossing your midline or heel striking and all those little things. I mean, they just add up in terms of, you know, inefficiency, but also in, in terms of like increasing likelihood of injury. So now, you know, two and a half years later, with exception of one bad injury that I had that I've, that I've since then figured out why it happened and cleaned up my, my form for it. I haven't had any real, any injuries, you know, I've, I've been running clean, um, since February or since I guess June, January, when, when I met you in Netherland or whatever. Yeah. Um, since then, I mean, I've been really running, running strong, running clean, no injuries, you know, staying on top of my mobility and my stability work for my ankles, um, and, and just joints and ligaments in general. And so the big thing is just running, uh, on trail with, with good, consistent form. And, you know, especially on the downhill, really I've focused on like not overextending my body, you know, and on like keeping my feet under myself and on, if I'm going too fast, like making sure I know how to slow myself down without sacrificing form, which, you know, you can kind of like zigzag your way down a trail versus just barreling down it. Um, oh, dude, I mean, let, can I talk to you about that? Cause I saw someone <laughs> out here doing that for the first time and it, First of all, I was like, how have I not known about this? And how have I never <laughs> tried this, man? It was like straight down a hill where I would just usually be like, I don't know. I guess we just go straight down. But he was zigzagging. Yeah, I mean, so the zigzagging thing, it just it forces you to I mean, you may not necessarily slow down in terms of your turnover and the pace that you're moving, but just the act of doing that makes you take longer to get down the hill, you know. So, I mean, especially thinking about some of the races that we run here in Colorado, like uh, 50 K's or hundred K's or, you know, uh, any of these big mountain races, if you're not really confident on your downhill, you can, the zigzag is a good way to go after it, you know, and it's a, and it's kind of a safe way to go after it because you, you can run, 
you know, down, so to speak, without necessarily slamming your heel into the ground or like overextending your body, which, you know, increases the risk for getting hurt, man, yeah. which, which really sucks, man. Last thing anybody wants is to be, you know, out on injury or DNF a race because they, because they ripped up their ankle or something like that, you know? Yeah. So yeah, the, zig, the zigzag is, is, uh, is, is, is awesome. The, zigzag. <laughs> but, is, the, the it... only thing. Yeah, uh, I was going to say the, the only thing just in general, because you're asking me about as far as, you know, increasing mileage and so much elevation and like injury. The only thing that has happened is like the moments in the in the brief moments where I like don't focus on running and start thinking about other things. <laughs> yeah, I'll like I'll look away and then that'll be like when I eat, eat it and just fall. <laughs> and so like if anything, my hands have gotten tagged up or like my shins or my knees and like, you know, just, just, just flesh wounds, nothing serious, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the, I love that about trail running actually, because you know, you always hear about meditation and trying to stay in the present moment and trail running kind of forces you into that because as soon as you're you start like worrying about some stuff from work or or something like that you you do end up face planning so oh yeah <laughs> it's and a it nice... sucks it always hurts it's like it's it's never it's never it's never like a graceful fall it's always like oh look there's blood everywhere yeah so. yeah <laughs> what's the worst what's have you had like a worst fall um i mean training uh, since i've been out here like two maybe maybe like uh eight days out from from doing toughest in chicago i like was on a long slow run with some ultra runners that i hang out with out here um and i like looked away from the trail for a second and i was started running through a bush and i guess my foot got caught on a root and i just came down and it was like but and so my hands just got shredded like my palms were cut up um and i was just going crazy with like neosporin and didaxal for yeah. for all of you know seven days trying to get it to close up and and one of them closed up and the other one almost did and so at that point i was like well it's the night of the race i'm just going to super glue this and hope for the best and you know how'd it go the rest is uh <laughs> it the super glue didn't help but i mean my hands it didn't <laughs> like after like two or three hours of doing grip work at this race you yeah. know like uh like going through different different uh, upper body intensive obstacles it just the the super glue didn't hold so it's all good though i mean now now everything's all sealed up otherwise i mean last year as far as major injuries was i was at Mo at the montreal ultra beast at owl's head it's this really sweet resort in quebec um it's like i guess if if you're not familiar with the mountains in the east coast if you're someone who's from colorado you know they're they're super steep like they're not very big mountains yeah but it's just like you know a, a 30 percent grade to a 45% grade is not uncommon on like some of the really serious ski slopes that they have out there. And so you're essentially running up and down this ski slope doing a 50 K obstacle course race. And two miles into the race, I like was uh, about to try and make a pass on the guy who was in first place just to set up good, good placement for the upcoming climb that I knew that was going to ensue. And in the process of trying to pass him, I like ran over like a mossy rock and my ankle just totally just, just exploded basically i mean i i ended up having um a second degree high ankle sprain which is pretty gnarly with with contusions on my heel from still uh, i didn't stop doing the event at that point because i had cnn like filming for this event i remember uh, you were telling me about this man and i went and watched the cnn segment afterwards knowing yeah. that you were injured <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh. It's, it was rough. And I'm just like, oh, man, I can't, I can't just call it quits. Like this is, this is important. You know, like this is, this is about sending a message and yeah. showing, showing, showing the world a little taste of obstacle racing. So, and I was glad I, I stuck it out, you know, cause, cause that was one of the few times where I spent time on the trail and actually did have a lot of time to, to think and meditate, you know, cause it took me 14 and a half hours to do a race that was supposed to take me like seven hours, yeah. so which is almost more painful time. sometimes too, without the injury even. Yeah. It was a long day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I, I didn't have a head. I like borrowed a headlamp at the very end of the event because my headlamp had like busted or something like that. You know, like I was running in the dark and, and I had to like, I had some nice volunteer, like, let me use their, their headlamp. And I'm like, I'll find you and I'll give it back to you. So. <laughs> Did you find them? I couldn't find him afterwards, but I still have that headlamp. So if he's listening and he messages me, I'll get him his headlamp back. Yeah. That sounds like, you know, um, like a romantic movie where you're like, I'll find you, you know, lost connection on Craigslist. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You let me use your headlamp at the ultra beast. I think I'm in love. (laughs) I think I'm in love. Exactly. No, Uh, but. That's funny, man. So you, I remember you telling me, um, cause we ran a 50 K fat ass, which isn't really a race, but no, it's, it, it felt like a, like a, like a orienteering survival run. Yeah. You know, it was like, we're trying to like navigate on this weak little GPS unit of <laughs> that I had on my watch and like bushwhacking, or I guess like, what is it? What is it called? Um, uh, post-holing through snow, like trying to figure out where the hell we were in yeah. the last what, eight miles or so. Apparently we were still the first ones there. I think we might've been crazy. the only ones to finish because it was like yeah. 6 PM or something. It was almost dark out when we got there and I was like, damn, that would have sucked if it got dark. <laughs> How many people Cause there was like, there was like maybe 20 people who came out that day to go play with, yeah. with that course and i was like oh, this will be fun yeah and then yeah man i think i think in the part i think once we got to to that the end of it like in that last 10 miles it must have been where everybody got lost yeah well the el dorado we went through el dorado springs and you had to like run up this guy's driveway and then right before you got to his house you had to take a right up a trail do you remember that yeah yeah <laughs> i do and we couldn't find the trail we had to like we we were like asking around in this neighborhood and people were looking at us like we were crazy like yeah. and also semi-terrified of like tra- tra- uh, what is it trespassing on <laughs> on people's land and stuff because you know people in colorado do do like have guns and stuff yeah yeah <laughs> so it's and, like, like giant oh, man, dogs I- and whatnot um, oh man. It was funny though, but dude, now that I've gone, I've ran in, that was my first time running in Boulder and I've gone up quite a bit now. Cause I realized it's only like 25 minutes from my house to a lot of those trails. Um, you know, remember how there was an easy route and then a hard route. And by the end we're like, dude, we're doing the easy one. You know, I want to get this done with. Yeah. Uh, um, the hard route would have been very freaking hard dude it was it was like really yeah because you climbed bear peak and that's like a three thousand foot elevation gain at the end of a like at 28 miles in or something (laughs) holy smokes so maybe that's why maybe that's why we got there so fast because even though we bushwhacked for like 10 miles like we we still didn't have to go up three thousand feet yeah and then there was some, speaking of falling, I remember there was ice on the trail at one point and I just biffed it with like two miles to go, but yeah, yeah. no bueno. that was about my, yeah. my most painful fall. But dude, I remember you told me, um, that you spent some time in Vermont 
Uh, so, you oh, know, yeah. you mentioned the East Coast trails being beastly. And, you know, I spent three years in Virginia where, I mean, people out here don't realize how much of a challenge East Coast mountains can be. No, man. I mean, you don't get the same elevation gain on the East Coast as you do on the West Coast or whatever. But what you get out of the East Coast is just these steep, wet, like mossy, rooty, you know, uh, just foliage covered tunnels of green that you're running through. And it's just nuts, man. Like, I mean, it's it is. It, it changed. I mean, I, I originally came from like running on the West coast, which is just dry, you know, it's like desert trails essentially. So you may have gain, but you don't have to worry about any of that stuff, you know, maybe rattlesnakes, but on the, on the East coast, it's just like, it feels like you're running through, through like middle earth. Only <laughs> middle earth is trying to kill you because <laughs> there's just things that you can trip over and fall like yeah. all over the place. And there's tons of rock. I mean, not that there isn't rock in Colorado, but it's like a surprising amount of rock, like hidden under everything. So. Yeah. Well, and it's under like leaves because you know, eventually the leaves fall out there. So you're running oh, man. over these like loose leaves over jagged rocks. Yeah, man, it's, it's pretty gnarly. Like, and it's it's usually generally like ridiculously humid out too. Yeah, mad. Yeah, shoot, I hate you, <laughs> but it is what it is. Yeah. I, mad respect for the the guy. What is it? The guy who just broke Scott Jurek's record um, yes. on the AT. St- what was his name? Like Sticky or Stimpy oh, or something, something like that. Like Skinny. I don't know. But that guy, <laughs> that guy is that is nuts, man. He, I cannot. I was just reading about that earlier today, and I'm like, holy smokes, man. Like, I guess. I, I am, I don't know. That's amazing. I'm yeah. not, <laughs> I, I want to be on that level. <laughs> yeah, man. It's just, it's such an insane feat that most people just came and wrap their heads around it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, man. Can you give us a little, like, you know, give us a little bit of your story. Cause I remember some of it when, uh, when we were running, but, uh, but yeah, dude, I just found it super fascinating. And then I was like, holy crap, dude, I'm running with like a legit, like one of the most badass athletes I've ever met ran with <laughs> um i guess i guess where do you where do you want me to start i guess i should start by saying i'm my name is miguel medina you know uh, i'll do that in the intro but thank you <laughs> <laughs> i guess i'm i am an obstacle course racer i run specifically longer distance obstacle course races so generally speaking anything above 50k is kind of where i where i really start to make the magic so to speak or or feel real comfortable um 50k all the way through 24 to 48 hour events uh, typically they're you know either a five mile loop or a 13 mile loop or they'll set it up as like a long course and they'll put obstacles in your way so i mean a lot of people are familiar nowadays with like tough mutter and spartan race well both of these organizations now have uh competitive divisions you know so they have the the elite heat or whatever um and i guess that's where where a lot of us are competing and uh you know trying trying to make a name for ourselves or just trying to test ourselves and really push ourselves against against are, you know, one another as athletes, but then internally, like with whatever we have to deal with. So, yeah, I mean, I, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess, what, what can I say? I've, 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 I have won world championship. <laughs> I won, um, my, my team and I won this event called world's toughest mutter in 2014. It was a four man team. Um, not like a relay, but everyone's together and you run this five mile loop with like 20 something obstacles for 24 hours. That's and the crazy, year that we man. ran it, That's... it was, it was pr- 
particularly uh, tough because I guess like a freak sandstorm rolled through. <laughs> so the temperatures at night went from like 40 degrees to like 25 degrees because we had 80 mile per hour wind storm, wind storm or sandstorm like in, in the area for like 10 hours or something like that. And after that, I mean, we, you know, we battled it out on that course for 24 hours with a bunch of really burly teams. And we ended up coming out on top with I think 76 miles with our official winning mileage or whatever, but we were just destroyed, man. I mean, nothing I had done to that day had prepared me for fighting through a sandstorm, you know, (laughs) um, much less running, running in a sandstorm, you know, and, and, and it was the thing about this event is that it's a four man team going out there together at least at this point in time, it was a four man team. And so everyone during this race has their like highs and lows in terms of their, their state of mind and their physical state. And just everyone on our team, you know, got hit by hypothermia at one point, everyone just kind of got like, you know, super down in the dumps. I mean, there was a point where I was like, I had sprained my ankle like 35 miles in and just kept, didn't say anything. Cause we, we were, I think in first place or second place and just kind of battling it out. But I mean, as the night wore on, you know, things just got tougher and tougher. And eventually, um, you know, we, we just, it stops becoming a physical thing and it just starts becoming like a totally like mental and spiritual thing out yeah. there. Um, and it's and it's a really special place to go to when you're when you're doing an event like that, you know. Well, it's and, special and we to be up- it's special to be around a group of guys too, like to have a team during that rather than just, you know. I feel like that would, you guys are probably like bonded for life, right? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I mean, two, you know, those those three guys are my brothers, like through and through. But but two out of three of those guys were were already like really good friends of mine. And after that, man, I mean, the bond that I share with those three is uh, it's it's something that'll never that'll never crack. You know, I got I got tons of love and tons of respect for those three. Um, I guess I should I should say their names: Hunter McIntyre, Mark Jones, and Dennis Wayne Welch. Um, Dennis would be a cool guy for you to talk to, by the way, yeah. too. but any, any of those three would be, would be cool guys to talk to. They're just a ton of fun, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, that's kind of where it all started. And then since then, I mean, uh, I mean, just in general, I guess to give you the, the race CV, I mean, I've raced like probably 60 times, uh, mostly been top 10, top five or on the podium. And I don't come from an athletic background. I, you know, when I was in high school, I played world of Warcraft <laughs> and, <laughs> and played and played football, like secretly played world of Warcraft while playing like JV and some varsity football. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, couldn't, couldn't let that get out there. And then yeah. in, 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 when I finished high school, you know, I went on to JC and then eventually to UCLA and in the process of doing that, it's kind of when I really started to realize that I had like some severe health issues. Um, turns out I had this, this congenital disc disease, uh, I guess it's severe spinal stenosis. And like, I had symptomatic pain when I was a kid and just had no idea what it was related to. You know, I thought it was like growing pains essentially, but it got to the point where I couldn't, I couldn't walk. You know, I, I, uh, we did acupressure and acupuncture and physical therapy and a chiropractor. I mean, I did physical therapy for almost three years and it just did not get any better. Um, and then after getting an epidural in my spine, it only lasted like about three months. And I ended up, you know, when, when the epidural wore off prematurely, I, I couldn't walk. I couldn't put pressure on my left leg. Like if I walked, it was, it was debilitating and, and just the most excruciating pain ever. So finally I had back surgery 
Um, but then after back surgery, <laughs> I ended up getting a, a pretty bad stab infection in my spine. So oh, geez, man. it just, it snowballed. No, but it's, but it was good. You know, yeah. um, I'm a true believer that, that pain is, is a good thing. Pain is a, is a really good teacher. It teaches you to appreciate things and it teaches you to really be introspective, uh, in terms of, of where you are in life and what, and and just who you are and what you want to be, you know, and, and that experience, those like 11 months of recovery, um, really opened my eyes to, to just having a very serious conversation, conversation with myself of who do I want to be? You know, what do I want to do? And, and everything just kind of changed. And suddenly along the way I discovered racing, you know, like my, my doc said I had to stay active to avoid, uh, you know, or I guess to minimize symptomatic pain. Cause unfortunately I still have, I still deal with, with pain from, from my spinal condition. Oh, wow. As, as crazy as it sounds, you know, I, it's still, it's still something that I like have to try and mitigate. And so he said, just staying active really helps. And, uh, I mean, I think I kind of took it to so, another level. That's what I was going to say, man, that like, have you contacted him since and be like, Hey, remember when you told me to stay active? Here's what I do now. Yeah, I actually, I sent him a letter a while back. Um, and I, I ended up getting published or I guess they like published my, cause I was a UCLA alumni when I had my surgery and stuff or a student at UCLA. Now I guess I'm an alumni, but anyways, um, I was a student at UCLA and my, the doctor who did my surgery, Dr. Shammy, um, you know, I just always remember being really thankful for, for the help that they provided. And, and I wanted to let them know somehow. And so UCLA health had like this thing where they're like, you know, we want to publish your story, like your, 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 your change in health, you know, send us your, your info or whatever. And I guess they ended up publishing it. And then, and he, he ended up giving me a call and just saying like, Oh, you know, that's really good. Glad to hear it. Like, I was like, yeah, man, thanks. Thanks for, you know, helping change my life. Cause I was just miserable. Yeah. Like, it was it was three years of just pain 24 7 and it got worse and worse as time went on so and then after back surgery it just i mean you know when they ask you like what how you feel like if you go to the er to urgent care they're like oh you know what's your pain scale from a one to ten and and i i for the first time experienced something like beyond a ten like it was just i couldn't function like i was just in tears like 24 7 and just had to like heavily medicate and try and like keep it uh what do they say you know cut keep the edge off or whatever and it just it it thankfully is not an issue for me anymore you know now i'm i i changed i changed it all i mean i had I, i had great support and help and you know love along the way from family and friends and what have you but um this is going to sound really corny. It started with a motivational video on YouTube. No way. Really? <laughs> cool. What video? Yeah. Okay. So Spartan race back in the day, they had this black and white video, um, you know, showing people like racing and stuff. And they had like, uh, that, that one, they had like one of the acoustic songs from the band explosions in the sky, like from Friday night lights. And then they had it overlaid with, uh, this guy, Eric Thomas, the hip hop preacher. Um, they had his audio over, over the video talking about, you know, this speech, uh, about the guru and the student, you know, and wanting success as bad as you want to breathe. It's like a really popular one now, you know, but, but I, I think this was like fresh when it first like started to get, 
get up there and get popular. And I remember hearing that man and like hearing this 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 story this uh, that that the guy was talking about and the passion that he spoke with just moved me, man. I mean, I was legit. I was just like looking up terminology for work as far as an interpreter goes, and like I I clicked one of their little banner ads on the side of WordReference.com, and like <laughs> it it took me to this video, and then I I saw it, and you know I heard that you know you got to want success as bad as you want to breathe because he was like drowning the kid under the water or whatever, drowning the student under the water. And then when he lets him up, that's what he says to him. And I was like, I was like moved to tears. Like, <laughs> you know, oh. the, the very next day I was like, I need to start training for one of these. I don't even know what it is, but I'm just going to start training. <laughs> I'm just going to start one and I'm just going to like get at it. And, and I mean, that's, that's what I did. I mean, Dude, that's crazy. Like, it's just, you can be sitting on your, at your desk one day and then all of a sudden, see something that just really clicks because maybe you would see that if you saw that like at a different moment it wouldn't have clicked but for whatever reason oh man that's that's just so crazy if you think about those moments in life yeah and i it was a super like important time you know and i think it was just you know you think about that metaphor of a of a phoenix you know and how a phoenix it'll it can die but it always is reborn, you know, and kind of in that same way, like I felt like I like I, a, a little piece of me that died when I had that surgery, you know, but then something else was born. And since then, I mean, it's just, you know, life's very life's very different. It's it's taken me I mean, not just as an athlete, but I just kind of had a whole new appreciation for for like everything. Yeah. Um, and it and it sounds corny. It sounds like, you know, sort of cliche, but it 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 uh it changed everything, man. I mean, racing and, and just the need to like experience things and go on adventures and like, you know, live, live outside of, of, of my box, you know, live outside of my office, live outside of video games, like live outside of all that stuff, man. I kind of, I always use this cheeky little, little, uh, saying, you know, I, I decided that I wanted to start leveling up in real life, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> And that's, and that's what I got to do, man. And, it's, yeah. and now I, mean, I find myself living in a mountain town in Durango training for these big events, living with my three dogs and my, and my wonderful fiance, who's this, this awesome, like, you know, backpacker, mountain climber slash, you know, biologist, <laughs> like, you know, I, and I, and I, and if you would have asked me, um, five years ago, six years ago, if this is where I was going to be, I, I would have laughed in your face, you know, cause I was like miserable and, and just not, not the same person that I am. So, so yeah. Are you able I don't know. to, I went on of... quite a tangent. No, man, that was a great tangent. Holy crap. That might've been the best tangent of podcast history. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you were going to ask. Yeah. So, you know, when you're talking about all that pain and just living with pain for three years, is that something you kind of keep in mind during a race, like in the low moments of the race? Is that something that like actually empowers you during that time? I mean, yes, yes. Short answer. Yes. It, it, it empowers me, but there's, there's a few things that, that motivate me and that push me, um, especially in those, in those low moments, you know, or when those moments where I want to slow down or in those moments where I consider, walking instead of running, you know, for, for some of these races like this, like this two, what is it? Wow. Just this last weekend when I was a toughest mutter in Chicago, um, you know, there was definitely like a low point where just, I was starting to feel fatigued because it's an eight hour race. That's at night, you know, from midnight to 8am. Um, 
And so around 4 a.m., you just kind of, you know, the sleep deprivation really starts to kick in and, and you're fatigued and you're wet and it's cold. And just like you start thinking, you know, you, you got to keep the the negative voices out of your head. man. And so for me, like I think about that pain, but I also think about other other points in life that were that were painful, you know, and then I think about. Like, you know, the fact when I was 12, man, I mean, I was a big boy. I was about 212 pounds when I was a 12-year-old kid. So, I mean, I think about that. I think about the fact that now I can do this, you know, that that I do this for for that little kid when I was 12, you know, or I, yeah. I guess I do this for, for kids, you know, for, for little boys who look at themselves in the mirror and, and they're like not happy you know or who are like miserable who are, who think they're ugly or who think that they'll never change or that this is it you know like you're not i think about the fact that i thought at that point in time that i was always destined to just be this big kid and the reality is that i changed that you know and that oh there's like a motorcycle going by the reality is that i yeah. i changed that you know and and that i made the decision and in the same way like i'm making the decision when i'm out on that course whether i want to walk or whether i want to run you know whether i'm going to let this course beat me or if i'm going to beat that course you know um i think about my little cousin who i mean she's it's crazy man she is a year younger than me and she has like a really severe case of of cerebral palsy man i mean she's a quadriplegic who's 28 years old and she will never walk yeah you know she'll never she'll never experience what it's like to go run what it's like to to experience all the things that i'm lucky enough to experience you know so anytime that i have my doubts that i get down that i'm that i'm uh that things aren't going my way you know that i'm thinking about quitting i just think about about you know the pain i dealt with with back surgery i think about the the struggle that i had gone through in the past like as a kid you know i think about my cousin i just i use all these little all these all these moments of adversity in life for for motivation you know to keep to keep pushing and and to also be I guess you can say appreciative of, of what I got, you know, of, of what I'm capable of doing or the fact that I've, that I've been, I guess, given a second chance or that I've been given the opportunity to even attempt these things, you know? Yeah. I love that about racing too is cause well, first of all, you just get some time alone to yourself to really just think about these things where there's really no distractions yeah. except keep moving forward. But then also yeah. you can kind of think about like the race that you're in is a culmination of all the other stuff that came before it, like all the training, all the hardships, like all of that culminates in that specific moment. And it's just like, and granted that's every single day. Right. But during, a, Absolutely. for whatever reason, during a race, it really comes, becomes clear in that moment. So, yeah, it all, it all comes to life, you know, like it all suddenly, suddenly all that just, it becomes fuel. Yeah. You know, I guess I, it, it's, it's what it becomes part of what drives you, you know, and, and especially like you said, I mean, some of these longer events, whether it's a 50 K or a 24 hour event or a hundred miler, you know, there's, there's sure you focus on the trail, but there kind of comes a point where, where you, where you do kind of just have this opportunity to really reflect. And, and, and the big thing I think for me, that's made a big difference is that I try and reflect on, on the positive things, you know, I've really, 
really made a conscious effort to always stay focused on the positive, even when things aren't going your way, man. Cause it, it all, it all makes a big difference. You know, the more I would rather be having a bad day on the trail or a bad day racing, thinking positive things yeah. than I would just getting sucked up into that hole of negativity, you know, because at the end of the day, even if your race doesn't go your way, it's always an opportunity to learn. You know, it's always an opportunity to, to make yourself better one way or another. Like you don't, you know, just cause you don't get your PR that day, just cause you don't, you don't win your, your age group or you don't get on the podium or you don't do as well as you want. You know, you, uh, you, you still get something out of it. Yeah. You know, and I think, and I think a positive mindset is a big, is a big part of it, of ensuring that, you know, definitely. So how do you manage that in, uh, like a team event? How do you manage keeping a positive mindset? So with something like world's toughest mutter, when we're talking about a positive mindset, it's, you very much feed off of each other, you know, toughest mutter. It's a 24 hour event. Um, where, like I said, it's a five mile loop, uh, and you're jump, you're going over obstacles for about, you know, uh, five miles, anywhere between 20 to 25 obstacles, I think is, is like the average oh, and man. you're, you're, it's <laughs> a good time. Imagine that, you, dude. We, we need to get you an entry, man. You should, you should look it up, look up world's toughest mutter after yeah. this. And well, it would, you, you would love it. I did. I know I, it's a little different. Yeah, I did a Tough Mudder uh, in Copper this summer. And oh, nice. did pretty well, man. Like, I felt really good, made it through all the obstacles. And I went at the 8 o'clock heat, which isn't a racing group. But the racing group was right in front of us, the 745. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, the guy I ran with, uh, Scott, his name's Scott Stark, we both were like, I think next year we're going to try to do the competition one. For sure. You should. Yeah. Well, so picture that, that course yeah. cut but five miles, cut the, <laughs> cut the, yeah, exactly. So instead of 10 miles, make it a five mile course, but keep the same amount of obstacles. So 20 something obstacles. And then from there, you're just going to loop it for 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> and so some people may say that's boring. Like, but you know what? Here's the thing is you're out there and it's almost, it's like, it's like burning man meets ultra endurance, you know, where it's just like, there's like this tent city where everyone has their little, uh, their little, uh, like aid station set up with their pit crew and stuff. And you're going in and out, you know, and then there's some people who are just out there to have a good time and just see what they can achieve. And then there are some people like myself who are like competing for placement and all that. Um, and, and it's just cool because the event itself is all about camaraderie. You know, I mean, it's all about, it doesn't matter how fast or how slow you go, like no matter what, at some point in time, you're going to help each other out. Yeah. And that's something that I really, really like about this event. And so I guess kind of going back to the team thing is that you vibe off of each other the entire time. You know, you're, my positivity is going to be contagious just as much as my negativity will be contagious. And so it really, um, I think, I think what, what makes the team thing you know, interesting, I guess, is, is that if you're going to go on a team, whether you're competitive or not, you want to make sure that you're on a team with someone that you have really good chemistry with, you know, that you, that, that you want to, you're willing to, to hang out for 24 hours straight with on yeah. that course, you know, cause it can be bad. I'm sure like if you team up <laughs> with the wrong person, like you'll want to like kill that person yeah. by the end of the race. Yeah. Are you guys um, like, are you guys like giving each other shit sometimes like in a joking way? Like if someone falls off oh, something, sure. you're like, Hey man, good job. Good job with that. Like, is that part of it? Well, to, well <laughs> I think, I mean, you know, I, 
maybe I think sometimes, but for the most part, we, we keep it pretty, pretty positive. I mean, I try and always be as encouraging and I don't even, here's the thing, man, you're out there for 24 hours. So if, if you're the type of people that can take a little bit of a, of playful verbal abuse like that and (laughs) and be okay with it, then it's great, you know? Yeah. But the reality is that for 24 hours, you know, who knows, you might've made a joke about someone being slow over a wall and 16 hours into the event after some sleep deprivation and, you know, 60 miles or whatever, you might be like, you know what? F you guy. Like I I hate, like, you know, it might just be like some really, it might, it might come back and bite you in the ass. I didn't think about uh, that. That's a good point. You know, so I, so I always just try and be, and be real positive and, and granted that there is always, I mean, I think no matter what in this event and, in, and, in, and in most team events, I imagine there are moments where you definitely want to be like, just shut up or, you know, you <laughs> where, where a little bit of that comes out, but, but you try and mitigate it, you know? And I think the best way to mitigate that is by making sure that you're teaming up with someone that you that you got some love for, you know, I mean, whether it's your, your family member or a friend or a training partner, whatever, you know, it's someone that, I mean, I guess, cause I got that like perma permanent, like football mentality stuck in my head from, from back in high school where the team is everything to me, you know? So I, if I'm going to team up with someone for an event, and in this case, my, my partner is, is actually one of my teammates from 2014, Mark Jones. Okay. It's the guy that I'm willing to die for when I'm out there. Yeah. And I'm not kidding when I say that, like I will put every, you know, drop of sweat, every drop of blood, every, every ounce of my being into that race for 24 hours and whatever happens happens. Like, so, so I, 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 I pick my teammate has to be someone that I, that I, that I think would be willing to go to the same lengths for me, you know? And, uh, and that's and that's really important because because this person's like my brother, you know, he's like one of my best friends, and and I wouldn't I wouldn't want to do it with anyone else, you know. Yeah, definitely. What uh, how did you meet these guys? So, well, I guess I'll as far as the original lineup of the of the Wolf Pack. <laughs> so <laughs> that was the our team name, twenty fourteen. Hunter is, um, I mean, a lot of people might recognize him now from Broken Skull Ranch, uh, that TV show with Steve Austin as the host, and it's like a short course obstacle race with like some strongman challenges and stuff. He's won that a couple times now. Um, and he's really good at the short stuff, but back then, I mean, him and I lived in Southern California together and we, we, or had lived in Southern California together and we were training full time and, you know, just really good buds. Uh, Dennis was a guy that, that we had met racing and he was an endurance coach and just a stud athlete and kind of one of those guys that, um, will always speak his mind and speak true, you know, regardless. Um, and that's, and that's, that's always an important friend to have, you know, and just, and just the, a workhorse, man, like just a stud on and off the field. Um, and then Mark Jones, who's my, my current teammate, him and I actually, lived together in in vermont well i guess not together but like lived in that area together in vermont um and he was kind of like my first coach you know he's he's always been like a mentor to me and and a really great friend and so it was actually with him that i that we hatched the idea of even attempting world's toughest in the first place and now i mean we're we're together again as a team um you know as contenders for the the two-man category so you Um, just qualified for that right 
Yeah, so they they have an interesting way of splitting it of of like uh, qualifying, so to speak. So anyone who does the toughest mutter series, which is an eight hour series on a five mile, it's eight hours on a five mile loop uh, from midnight to eight a.m. Anyone who gets twenty five miles is is like contender status, which just basically means that you you get a better placement in the pit. And then they have this next step up, which is like elite contender status, you know, which is a fancy way of saying like pro division, basically. Yeah. And so these are the guys who are who either have placed top five uh, at one of these races, or they have. Um, you know, hit 50 miles. And there's only been like a couple guys who have hit the 50 mile mark. I was five minutes short of being able to go out for my 10th lap. Uh, so my, my 50 mile lap when I raced this past weekend. So I hit 45 miles, but I hit top five. So wow, yeah, with elite yeah. contender status, it also opens you up to like the, the highest prize purse or like the bonus prize purse or whatever. So, so which is good. Cause I mean, we're, we're competing and we're out there testing each other and pushing one another. But at the same, but at the end of the day, we're also trying to get paid. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I would, I would like to bring home some bacon. Like I, I, you know, um, so that's, that's one of the really cool things is that we can, you know, it, it, it affords us that. And I think as of right now, Mark Jones and I are the only two man team where both of us have achieved, um, elite contender stat. I hate saying that. It makes I feel like a jerk. Um, where, where we've both You've achieved, you know, well. <laughs> uh, where we've both done well enough to be, to be like a recognized team on the field now, yeah. which is kind of cool. That's um, cool. I mean, I personally always prefer to fly under the radar. Yeah. Um, but, but it's okay. Like the pressure's on and I, and I'm a fan of the pressure and I'm looking forward to seeing what other beastly two man teams form out there and who we get to throw down with for 24 hours. Cause at the end of the day, you know, something that, that I really love about obstacle course racing, um, and especially on like the older endurance side of things is most of us, even if the competition gets really fierce, you know, at the end of the day, everyone's friends, everyone's cool with each yeah. other. Like it, it all just, it's, it's always, a. There's very, there's, there's not any animosity between, between athletes, you know, which is something really cool, at least not, not with myself and anyone I've ran with, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, elite contender status. That's I don't, <laughs> it's, it's not something I like to say, but I guess I'm, I'm stoked to have it. Well, man, you just said it was an eight hour event and you got 45 miles, which that is blowing my mind because you have to take into consideration all the obstacles and stuff too. I mean, how, how quickly does it take you to go through some of these obstacles? Um, I mean, some of them, it depends, man. Cause like they'll throw a lot of water at you. Like they'll throw rolling mud is what they call it or like a mud mile. So yeah. it's essentially like a, like a 400 meter stretch where they dig these ditches <laughs> and they dig them like three or four feet deep, filling up, fill them up with muddy water. And then you have to like get over these, uh, these like humps of mud and dirt and it's just a, a pain like it sucks because you're just clawing away at like this mud and dirt and trying to get through it you know and it and it's just slippery and it's messy and it gets everywhere and it slows you down and you're on this loop so it just gets progressively worse and worse uh, oh yeah as more people go through it just it? becomes a giant mud pit yeah so there's like something like that takes takes a couple minutes uh, then there's other ones. There's this really cool one that I like that's called Block Nest Monster. Yeah. So it's essentially, I think, I think they had it, have it now at Tough. Yeah, we tough did it. I remember that. I was going to ask you, you about that one because you you almost have to use other people 
to do it, right? Yeah, I mean, you 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 can definitely do it on your own, but if there's someone, I mean, here's again, like whether I'm com- I'm competing for placement or not, if there's someone hanging out there like trying to get through it, like I'll I'll you I'll gladly help people get through it, you know, and and it's really a cool obstacle because it's this really giant cool. like four by four slippery cube floating in the water and you have to like push it just enough for someone to grab the little lip of it and then try and swing their legs over to pull it the other direction to pull you over it you know and that that i think is really really cool um then there's other ones like uh what is it called king of swingers is where you jump off of like a little a little platform like in like 20 feet in the air and you catch uh, some handlebars that are on like a pendulum and that pendulum swings you onto a net like and the net what? is maybe like three by three feet it's a really cool obstacle it's like a three by a three foot by three foot net that you have to like try and catch in midair and when you catch onto this net then you're going to swing your legs over like this beat this um like steel cable that has like a rubber covering over it. So you don't threat, like just totally cut yourself up on it and you have to shimmy your way down. If you touch the water, then you have to pay the penalty, which is like a half mile, an extra half mile, or they'll make you do like a, like a sandbag carry or something like that, you know? Yeah. So yeah, um, that's what I wanted to ask. I wanted to ask that too, real quick. Just like if you're not competing or completing these obstacles, what, yeah. What do they make you do when you're actually competing for placement? So some of them are mandatory obstacles. Like you have to get through it. Um, and usually the mandatory ones are the ones that you like have to collaborate with or, you know, like work with other people through, which is really cool. Um, otherwise in this series of events, like in the tough, tougher mutter toughest and world's toughest it's usually like a combination between a weight carry so like a 30 to 50 pound sandbag and you might have to carry it like an extra quarter of a mile or half a mile which adds up over the course of you know eight hours or yeah. 24 hours or they'll make you you know go through like electroshock therapy which is essentially like this like little electrical field setup that like this this uh it's it's almost like a how would I describe it? Picture going into a closet and in this closet, <laughs> it it's like got these little electrical leads hanging down that shock you. And so this closet is about the size of a maybe uh, 40 by 40 room and you have to cross this closet, you know, and <laughs> I, I don't know why I went with a closet. That's a good that description, just, it, though. Yeah. I, I tried to picture it as something horrible that nobody <laughs> wants to walk through, you know, like because you, you can't get out of the closet, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say. Or like you can't you have to go through that. I, yeah. I mean, unless you have a car condition, then I think they have like a like another option. But, yeah, it's usually added distance as compared to like something like Spartan Race, which is also competitive in its own right. You know, they have their own thing. They usually their penalty is burpees. They'll yes. make you knock out. 30 burpees if you fail something which really sucks if you're competing it just smokes you if you're not careful so well, and people can uh, pass you during I, that time right yeah which also really sucks but you can get passed <laughs> on the penalty either way you know penalties are bad you don't want penalties yeah. i i had a few unfortunately um that that cost me those five minutes you know that cost me the opportunity to go out for that for that 10th lap and for 50 miles yeah um but but lesson learned it's all good yeah man well so i know uh in a couple of weeks, I'm talking to one of my buddies uh, from my hometown 
who went through all this surgery and, you know, some crazy obstacle. I don't even know exactly what he had, but something happened. He was hospitalized for like a couple weeks and all that. And he's coming, his like big comeback thing is he's doing his very first Spartan race. So since nice. He, since Which one's he doing? Oh man, <laughs> I shouldn't know this because I'm gonna talk to him on the podcast. <laughs> uh, Where do you know what time, like, when when it is? It's September. It's next weekend, I think. I think it's September 9th. Uh, I think he's is he on the East Coast? He's in the Midwest, so it's somewhere in the Midwest, like Illinois or Wisconsin or something. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But anyways, all right, well, good for him. That's yeah, awesome. Dude. What what like advice or tips do you have for him? Um, upper body strength is key. Yeah, like, yeah. You gotta, you know, spending time on that pull-up bar. Uh, for those of you who are who are considering trying out a Spartan race or an obstacle race in general, you gotta have that upper body strength to be able to navigate through this stuff. So, you know, if you can get to the point where you're doing uh, ten pull-ups in a row consistently, you're in a good place. You know. Um, if you're in the, in a point where you can do 20 pull-ups in a row consistently, you're in an excellent place, you know, rock climbing or bouldering really helpful with developing the grip strength, grip endurance and upper body strength needed to navigate these obstacles, uh, like, like having to do, um, the rigs that they set up or some of the, some of the stuff like climbing grips that you have to go through, like all kinds of things that they'll toss at you. Yeah. So really being, being strong on that, on that grip strength and on your upper body strength, as far as being able to do pull-ups and move your body weight around are really, really important. So I would say that'd be my biggest, biggest piece of advice is make sure to have good upper body strength and, uh, don't overdo it with training. Yeah. You yeah, know? man. Well, yeah. Don't I, overtrain. Speaking of that, <laughs> there was one other thing I wanted to ask you before I let you go. Uh, I remember that you mentioned some crazy CrossFit event you did. Can you kind of describe that? Ooh, uh, yeah. So <laughs> I guess when we talked, we had just won. Uh, I did. I did this event with a four-man team. We had just won uh, the twenty-four-hour AMRAP which AMRAP stands for as many reps or as many rounds as possible. And this event, it's, it's 24 hours of essentially every hour they send you three movements that you have to choose from. And that can be like, for example, a uh, row, like, like hitting the rower and doing like a, like a one, every, every calorie on the rower is like two points or something like that, or double unders. So every double under is three points. And then like, uh, deadlifts, you know, every deadlift is two points or something like that, or a point. And so you choose which movement you're going to do. Only one of you can be working at the time at a time. And so you take turns, you know, but it's, it's over the course of 24 hours that you're slamming weight, you know, moving your body, like burning calories. And it's, and it's just all about following the fundamentals of CrossFit and it's a worldwide competition, which is really cool. Um, so you're competing. I think that year we competed against like a hundred 15 other teams or something like that three of those teams or four of those teams were made up of athletes that had either been to crossfit games or the regionals and stuff like that which was really cool to be competing against guys like that you know yeah um and we ended up winning that thing i mean it, it really just that that was totally like a new level of, of discomfort as far as <laughs> yeah, man. as far as pushing weight goes man i mean i think our last our 23rd hour or something like that was like 
it was body weight squats, bench press, and like <laughs> some uh, and like curls or something like that. And by then, like our tendons were just so beat up, man. I, can't like, even I imagine. mean, I just every rep of the bench, I was, I just had like tears rolling out of my eyes because like my, my, my tennis elbow was so flared up, you know, which I've never had tennis elbow in my life. And, and to a lot of people, I'm sure this sounds terrible and stupid and like a bad idea. And you know what? It totally is, but it was so worth it. Um, and we ended up and we ended up winning it. So yeah, I mean, we, we which, which I, um, the team that I did it with, they had won the year before that as well. So they were like defending champs and it was, there's definitely some pressure, uh, to perform well. And I guess I'm glad, I'm glad that, that we all performed really, really well and really admirably. And it's literally just 24 hours of like every hour on the hour, three different movements. And you have to be recording like every team competing was recording for 24 hours and like f- having a live stream up on YouTube. And so there were judges watching. And so they would be the ones in charge of like looking at your reps and making sure it counts and this and that. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was nuts. It was totally like out of my comfort zone, but it was something really cool. Yeah. That's really cool, man. And well, another fun team event. Yeah, dude. I think team, there's something to be said about team events, you know, cause I love individual events too. Don't get me wrong. Cause it is kind of like you find what you're made of by yourself, but team events, I don't, you just form those bonds, man. Like we talked about earlier. So yeah, man. Well, dude, good luck, man. When's the, when's the big race? So next big race is a uh, Spartan race world championships, ultra beast, which is October 1st at 6am. <laughs> uh, <laughs> where's that? So I'm, I'm, that will be in Tahoe. I believe it's Squaw Valley in Lake Tahoe. Okay. And so I'll be running, running for, I'm shooting for, for the win for that. So that'll be really tough. I mean, I just took this the last four days to recover or for five days to recover after doing toughest mutter in Chicago. And so now it's, it's this last little training cycle before doing that world championship event. And then I got six weeks before world's toughest mutter, which will be 24 hours, two man team, uh, November 12th. That's awesome, man. Well, yeah, dude, best of luck for that. Hey, can you also like just kind of, you know, promote your coaching right now? Cause, cause we didn't even get oh. into that, but I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but yeah, you're a coach also. <laughs> I, yeah. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put myself up there with like endurance coaches for ultra marathons and stuff like that, because I, I focus on, you know, really the, the obstacle course racing side of things. Um, but yeah, I coach with Yancey Culp. We run this program called the Yancey camp, which is awesome. It's an online coaching platform. We do three workouts a week plus bonus work. And then on top of that, we have like, you know, videos, uh, every couple of weeks we do live chats. We have a, a dedicated group where we just help answer questions and kind of collaborate with one another. And it's all about just training and preparation for obstacle course racing. The cool thing is that, um, Yancey, so my, my coach Yancey, he, the, the program is modeled off of the athletes that he coaches directly. And so like myself, you know, I focus on the ultra endurance side of obstacle course racing, like these events that are anywhere between eight to 24 hours. And so the athletes that are under me, um, they're essentially following a program that mirrors my own, like there'll be some slight variation, but for the most part, it's the same thing that I'm doing. And my athletes get the added benefit of working directly with me, you know, so we can talk about the workouts. We can talk about, um, you know, how to, how to best, 
uh, pace yourself for these workouts or, you know, talk about zone training when it comes to heart rate, talk about nutrition for training. And then also, I mean, I, I kind of like to put in a little extra legwork to make sure people, people are prepared for their events, you know, and, and really set up for success by also talking about pre-race and, uh, you know, during race nutrition and hydration and like, you know, how to handle cramps and how to really just set yourself up for success, you know, because whether you're competing like for placement and and points, or if you're just trying to get out there and, and really push yourself, uh, it's important to make sure that you're a hundred percent on all sides of it in terms of training, in terms of your nutrition, hydration, and, and your mental game. And I, and I really enjoy the fact that I get to help people do that, you know? Yeah, so man. yeah, it's a, it's yancecamp.com. Um, and again, I'm, I'm Miguel Medina. You guys, I, I guess, you know, I'm, I don't bite <laughs> in general, <laughs> whether you're interested in, 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 uh, in, in, coaching or if you just have questions about the sport, man, I mean, I love talking to people about this stuff. So, you know, you can find me on the Facebooks or you can message me on Instagram at MGM OCR. And, uh, yeah, I, I am happy to, to be an ambassador to the sport and, and tell people all about it, man. Cause I love this stuff, dude, you rock, man. Uh, can we do this again sometime after your big races? Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, it'd be cool to, uh, you know, what would be cool would be to talk, um, after Tahoe, whether, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to push hard and and put out nothing but good vibes and happy thoughts and also train my butt off to, to do really (laughs) well at that. But I would love to chat after that. And and you can also chat, you know, you can chat with my team with, with Mark Jones and I, and and I'm sure he's, he's got some, some really fascinating stories too, man. I mean, that guy's a, you want to talk about ultra endurance. I mean, that guy is on another level. All right, man. Yeah, dude, I'll, I'll definitely, uh, have to ask you for his contact and all that stuff. So sweet. For sure, dude. Thanks for coming on today, man. And at some point, man, I promise I've been saying this for a year, but I'm going to Durango at some point. And when I go, we can can get a run in or something. For sure, man. We'll we'll have a good time on the trails. And and for for real, though, you should, um, you know, even if you don't... um, if you don't do like world's toughest this year, it's a little short notice, but definitely sign up for, for the competitive heat Yeah. and, and let's talk. I mean, if you want to get your, get your feet muddy, you know, something like, like toughest mutter, you'd, you would, you would probably enjoy it. <laughs> I think I would, man. I really, yeah, I think I would. I love the whole, like it's whole body, you know, cause I, yeah. I love running ultra marathons. Don't get me wrong. But after a while that motion is just painful from just, just running. So I like to mix it up every oh, so yeah. often. So yeah, it's more fun when your whole body hurts. Heck yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk to you later. Take care, man. All right. Once again, huge thanks to Miguel for coming on the show today. And if you want to look into him as your coach, uh, go to yanceycamp.com. And like I said, man, he's one of the most knowledgeable people I know about this sort of stuff, about training, about pushing your limits, about becoming an endurance athlete, and very specifically, an, an, obstacle, an endurance obstacle course racer. He knows his stuff, and it's awesome. Uh, yeah, so check that out, or go to, uh, on Instagram, you can follow him, MGMOCR, and I highly recommend that too. And just a quick story to kind of wrap up the show here. Today, well, every Thursday, as I'm teaching at my new school, and I'm teaching wonderful seventh graders who impress me every day, but uh, every Thursday, we basically have our mentoring time. 
And the last few weeks, the topics of this time have been obstacles, growth mindset, grit, and basically they're everything I've been talking about on this podcast since day one, which is hilarious to me. Um, And I'm just so happy to be able to share some of the ideas I've heard from my, my previous guests. You know, today, I mean, we're talking about obstacles. Are they a good thing? Are they a bad thing? And these seventh graders are just blowing my mind with their answers. They're all looking at obstacles as positives, as ways to achieve your goal eventually. And, you know, they're not being ridiculous where they're not seeing the reality where sometimes obstacles are frustrating. Obstacles can piss you off. Obstacles can, you know... At times, if the obstacles are overwhelmingly, seemingly impossible, they they can stop some people. And just having like a really raw, open discussion with them about whether or not if you hit the same speed bump like 50 times in a row, whether or not that should stop you. And we all reach the conclusion that if your goal is worthwhile and if it's something that you are extremely passionate about, no amount of speed bumps are going to completely derail you. No amount of speed bumps are going to stop you. So keep that in mind. I mean, if it's something, if the goal is something that, and I think Miguel says in the podcast that you're, that you need as much as you need air to breathe, if that is how important the goal is to you, you will find a way to accomplish it. And nothing is going to stand in your way. And the other thing we kind of came to a realization with is, let's say you run into an obstacle, you're chasing a goal, and you run into something that kind of bumps you off course, right? It doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. Maybe it bumped you off onto an unexpected course to something that you love and something that you can become great at and something that you can just achieve at. Because really, anything life throws at you, the, the opportunity for positive from it is there no matter what. And some things life throw at you really freaking suck, man. But you have the opportunity to grow from every single experience that you have. And if 12 and 13-year-olds can vocalize that (laughs) and kind of sum up that idea, I think we can all at least keep it in the front of our minds this week, this month, this year as we as we all chase whatever our own individual goals are, which I'm still working out mine. I'm still trying to figure out what the heck I'm going to do this year. What's my big thing I want to, I want to chase. So, uh, so yeah, I'll share that with you guys when, when we come back next week. Um, cause hopefully I'll have figured it out by then. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so next week, and actually I'll probably put this out in a couple of days because I feel bad because I promised it last week. So we will be talking to Jennifer Mabus of The Whimsical Woman as she is actually preparing for her own goal of 
hiking the entire Pacific Crest Trail. And I got to say, when I talked to her, we just had a great time. Uh, I got to geek out about long distance hiking, which I've never done, but I am fascinated by. And so I read all sorts of books and blogs and watch videos of and and all that fun stuff. So yeah, it's a great conversation. Um, I'm going to try to have it out in a few days here. So Hope you guys come back to that and check out all of our stuff on iTunes. And like I said, I'm serious. I have I have a few reviews right now and they all make me smile. So whenever I need a boost, I just go on and read them. <laughs> so yeah, subscribe, review. Um, I'm really going to take the next few months to try to grow the podcast because just after, even just after listening to Miguel talk about his story and his struggle and how he overcame it. I want more people to listen to this. I mean, it just completely inspired me and I wanna keep spreading that goodness. So you guys can help me, share it with your friends, uh, post it on social media, all that fun stuff. Give me a review on iTunes, um, subscribe, all that stuff. Tell your grandma, make sure you tell your grandma about the podcast. (laughs) And now I'm just rambling. So I'll wrap it up and we'll get back at you in a couple days. See you guys.